Hi, you are listening to Toddcast, and I am Carmen Mack, your host for this podcast season. During the season, I will be talking to Black parents living in Norway, and they will be sharing their experiences, challenges, aspirations, and anything that they would like to talk about. These recordings were done during summer 2021 and now being published. Apologies for the delay, as I have been going through my own personal matters、uh, during this year. But I do hope that you will listen to these stories and understand, and also be inspired by their lived experiences. Today, our guest is Lucas.、Um, he's from the UK. I'm gonna get him to、um, uh, introduce himself, actually. Hi, I'm Lucas. Yes,、um, it's very nice to be on your podcast.、Um, I live in Norway now. I moved from the UK to Norway. I've been here, I think, coming up now to ten years. I'm from a place called Notting Hill, Labrick Grove, in West London. I'm the proud father of three kids in Norway. So yeah, it's really nice to be on your podcast and. To have a dialogue with you. Yeah, you have three kids,、yeah. uh, three daughters actually. Yeah, yeah. I do. I, I, we just had a conversation before, and、um, I actually saw a picture of your of your daughters, and I thought、mm. they were triplets. Yeah, <laughs> you told、yeah. me no, they're not. Okay, I get、so. that a lot. Yeah, they they, they, they look very um. Yeah,、know. they look very good.、Um, so when did you actually move to Norway then? I came to Norway in um two thousand late two thousand and eleven, early two thousand and twelve. Hmm, roughly the same time actually for、mm. me coming up here. So it's been about what. Ten, ten years. Yeah, it's coming, up, it's coming up to ten. Yeah, yeah, it should be ten. I think this year, maybe next year. Yeah. yeah. So, what brought you here? Well, you know, I would. We all, we all say love and stuff like that, but for me, it was、um, a bit of love and a bit of work.、Mm. You know, I had、um, a Norwegian friend in the UK, and、um, you know, she brought me over here. You know, after I, I lost my brother, I tragically lost my brother, and、um, you know. She brought me out here, and you know, this, when I did come here, my nana died also. So I think it was just a chance for me to just get away from the UK for、mm. a bit. I just needed like a different kind of scenery, a different kind of energy. So I left the UK, came out here for a bit, liked it,、mm. started to work, and the rest is history.、Mm. Can you walk me through like that journey of you uh, moving um, over at that time? What kind of challenges did you meet? And obviously, you were grieving. I would suspect、yeah. because of both your brother and、mm. your your nan, you know, passing、mm. away.、Um, what what was that、um, journey like? Well, you see, the journey was very.、Um, how can I put it? It was it was new because obviously. It always in Europe. So when I came here, it was a shock to see just something so different but so close. Because、mm. you know, it's it's not it's not a far place. I didn't even know it was that far. I mean, it takes longer to drive to Manchester in a car than it does to take a plane to Norway. And I thought, <laughs> why have I never heard of this place? Yeah. But my stepmother is Swedish,、mm. so I've always had a kind of link to Scandinavia.、Mm. But I never actually knew about Norway. I only knew about Sweden and Denmark.、Mm. You know, so. Coming over here was, it was it was good. There there were a few challenges at first, you know, because when I first came, everyone spoke English to me, you、mm. know, and everyone was speaking English, and the, the the lady I was with was speaking English. But then, as I transcend and started to see the Norwegian side and the the Norse thing,、um, yeah, it was challenging in the sense that. For me, I was lucky because I did music when I first came here, so people took me for. You know, speaking、right. and rapping in English, I did a lot of music, so I didn't really walk through that Norwegian door till later on 
in my journey. So, so you you came as a musician. Yes. Um, was there any other work that you were doing as well? Or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I had a job when I already before I came. I already had a job. Um, I worked in Blore. I don't know if you know Blore. Oh, like the cafe. No, it's, it's a club. Oh, it's a club. Okay. Blore, Blore nightclub. Yeah. It's very oh, right, famous. Okay. Right. Um, yeah. So I started to work there. I yeah. got a job there working as um a barback. So my job was to go around. They used to hold big concerts in uh-huh, there. So okay. like in 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 in, in um, the break, yeah. I would have to go and literally pick up beer glasses. Yeah. Around thousands yeah. of drunk Norwegian people, <laughs> hundreds, and it was like crazy. I used to have to go and pick up the um, the, the, the glasses. Sometimes clean the toilet if someone had been sick. I mean, yeah. It was, it was hectic, but. Blore was a very good place because um, I got to meet a lot of musicians. Right. I got to network a lot. And I remember one time telling the manager one day I'm going to rap here. And I remember him laughing at me <laughs> saying, yeah, you're going to rap here. But I eventually did. Later <laughs> on down the journey, I ended up rapping in Blue. Yeah. But that was the first place I worked. Is this the kind of work you were doing as well um, in the UK before you moved over? Or? No, in the UK I was doing more. I did a bit of um, security. I was, um, I, came, I come from a background of the family that I had. They had a glazing company. Mm. So I did a lot of like glazing, like fixing like these double glazed windows mm. and stuff like that. So the work I did in Norway, I mean, in the UK was not like the kind of same work that I got to in the UK. Right. I mean, in Norway. Yeah. But it, you actually had quite a transition. Like yeah. you, we had several talks and uh, now you... I remember you saying that you you worked with um, youth now, yeah. and you had you had work for Oslo Commune, which is yep. the uh, Oslo Municipality, yep. which is local government here. Yep. Um, working with youth, really. Yeah. Um, how did you get into that kind of work? Yeah, that's kind of um, a good one. Um, basically, um, when I first came here, I was looking for a studio, hmm. and um, I couldn't really find a studio. I had um, the, the, the person I came with, her cousin had mm. a home studio. So I started to work with him. But then eventually as I started to branch out, you know, I, I went to go and get my hair cut one day in um, Brugata. Mm. And as I was going to get my hair cut, there was a guy selling um, Michael SIM cards and he spoke English. So I was like, where are you from? He said, I'm from the UK. I said, oh, I'm from the UK. <laughs> so he, I'm from Labrook Grove. He was from Kensal Rise. So we hit it off straight there and then. Yeah. And he told me about his cousin that had a studio that went to some um, some youth club called the um, Agenda X, the Anti-Racist Centre. And he said, yo, check out my cousin Giddy. So I got his phone number and I met this guy called Ivan, this mm. Norwegian guy, and I started to use the studio there. So he let me use it for free so I could come up and he'd give me an hour. And then um, I did a lot of music there. And then eventually he started to say to me, wow, you know, you're a good rapper and you're English. He says, I've got some students that come up here. He goes, could you sometimes help them with the English text and blah, blah, blah. So mm. I started to go up there sometimes, work with some of these kids. Yeah. And then it just carried on. And then he offered me um, some, 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 some like um, voluntary work. Mm. And then it went from there to actually getting some work. So it was, I think Norway is very networky. You yes. have to have a network. I found that out in Norway, you do not get your net worth till you make your network. So I started to find out, you know, that as you stepped on one stone, you went to another stone and another stone, cause it's very small, mm. but you have to have a kind of like 
big network it's kind of weird Norway because it's so small but you have to have a big network in a small environment if yeah. that makes sense no no I totally understand and I think when it comes to networking here um, it's really really funny in the early years of me uh, being in Norway um, there was actually one presentation that talked about corruption yeah. and they talked about actually the definition of corruption uh. it also relies on this like if you know someone in a company uh. and they uh, either get their kids you know uh, into the job or know someone and yeah. get them into job that's actually defined as a little bit as a corruption but people don't care here and people uh, the, like you said network is so so strong and i think it's also a trust thing yeah so it, they need to know who you are yeah definitely I, and i think like that was something that was quite new for me yeah. which is one reason why i think like you probably do the same um in the sense that you're throwing yourself out there so you, yeah. you if you google me and you see like i have a linkedin profile i have facebook yeah. i have everything yeah. and i really try to build up a portfolio online because mm-hmm. um they see that they want to see your work they want to see your mm-hmm. face they want to see your personality and you yeah. need to see all of that before yeah. even you walk into the door Definitely. in the company i think Definitely. um and that was really really funny um for me to see but now you're a life coach. Um, mm, you're yeah. studying, so it, yeah. it feels like you've progressed in a career that has actually been very, very positive. Definitely. And as I said, like um, when I first came here, I came to do music. So the thing was, I came like to just do 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 the music here. The the connection I had to Norway said to me, "Look, come out here," because I was already doing the music mm. in the UK. But um, the thing with the UK is there's such a big market for it you know mm. it's like a s- smaller version of the US but there's a big market for mm. it and I was doing okay you know I was like doing stuff in my neighborhood and I'm a good like you know per- networker but she said come out here you know you could try something out here so when I came it was good I met a lot of people you know I got to rap on the, s- the same stages as Mad Con I was on one of the biggest albums to come wow. out in, in Norway with a guy called Fella who's actually the godfather of my kids I collaborated with a record label called Break Records. Um, I had good contact with like Nico and Vince and Envy. So, you know, I, I went through the right channels, yeah. you know, and um, through that, I think that one thing I can say about Norway, if you've got the right people behind you, they can actually kind of like guide you a little bit. They can mm. actually see things, what you can bring to the table. So this guy, Ivan was like, yo, why don't you start working here? And then after my brother had died, you yeah. know, I, I was already been working with some of these kids and mm-hmm. you know I went to the and then I went to the funeral and came back to Norway and I was sitting in the studio and then yeah. I said to myself like what am I going to do now so I started a project called Rico mm. you know and then I started to work with kids and a lot of the kids I was working with there was Norwegian kids and there was also kids that had come to Norway do you know what I mean so yeah. I had like kids from Persia I had kids from Iraq Somalia I had such a mixture of, of, of youth do you yeah. know what I mean and we we, we the project was really good and it gave me a chance to kind of say to myself oh boy maybe I need to get into to youth work so I think I just kind of transformed yeah. transcended into it do you know what I mean so Norway yeah. gave me a platform to kind of find things about myself that I didn't know were there or were dormant yeah but we're there if yeah. that makes sense no I totally do and I think we have some kind of similarities of um, you know those who have been listening to my podcast for a while know that my mother passed away um, you yeah. know on the day that she passed away, I also found out I was pregnant, wow. uh, which is also one of the reasons why I moved here because yeah. like my, my family was still grieving and you know, they, yeah. they feel that I should actually have an abortion. I didn't feel like I had their support and wow. you know, and I, I felt just like you, I, I wanted mm. something new. So I, I moved here mm. uh, with my daughter's father and you know, obviously things didn't go well after that. But you know, I, I can see the similarities because I found a lot of myself. Now, 
in my background, I'm actually, uh, I studied environmental geoscience. So I was mm. going to be a scientist. Wow. Uh, so, but I came here and I mm. discovered writing. I discovered um, like talking to people. Yes. And there's such a, there are certain things that I am challenged and you mm. kind of in that uncomfortable zone where you have to like figure yourself out. Yeah. So it's definitely a transition. And I can see that similarity with you. You kind of had this transition, like, you know, um, yeah. you, you're, I can definitely see you got attracted to the youth work and yeah. you know, you've came to you as well. Mm. Do you find that the, the youth that you are working with helps with also your parenting? Cause you have three kids, so. Do you know what? When my first daughter was born, Isabel, um, I literally remember bringing her to the studio and she's about three, four months old. Mm. And like, you know, I'm very passionate about the work. And like I said, um, the work I was doing, a lot of it was in the weekend because the youth club would give me the keys to the place. So uh -huh. I'd have it at the weekend when it was closed. That's where they let me develop my own project. So, you know, and a lot of this, this was all volunteer mm. work as well. So I'd bring my daughter because mm. I mean, like to get a, a big building like I had mm. at the weekend was unprecedented to get that. Do you know <laughs> what I mean? But not no youth centers were open at the weekend or mm. had any things at the weekend. So bringing my daughter there and having her around the youth and sometimes the youth would be holding her while I'd be mixing and stuff like that. It wasn't like a dangerous environment. Like I just came and just passed my daughter around, but she blended into the work. Yeah. So I think having a lot of the kids there, you know, like some of these kids are like between 16 to 21, seeing me with this kid and getting to see the kid, I think it was good for them as well. Do you know yeah. what I mean? It was like, I don't know, it was a win-win. Some of them was like, oh, you got a kid or da 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 and they got to be around the child and have that element and also it would spark up dialogue. Like yeah. I'd be like, well, if you're going to be a parent, there's sacrifices or don't have kids too early or blah, blah, blah. Or some might be like, wow, this is too much or... Yeah. someone's like wow I really respect you Lucas man you still come here to do this thing for us and you bring your daughter and stuff like that so you know it did help me a lot of my parent in the sense of that um, you know I've got the saying where I say no sacrifice no victory mm. so for me it was like bringing my daughter with me on board and bringing her around these youth it created another dynamic and another dialogue and it was it, it was very exciting I think it's really interesting the fact that I think in Norway um, it's never looked down upon when you take your child to oh, work no. no 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 whereas no. in England you they're like no you should not bring your kid yeah, in I, no. it's, it's super funny to, to see that you know you're having that same that same sort of experience of bringing a kid but I think like also the fact that you're a father yeah. right because um, one of the things like in this podcast I find interesting is talking to fathers because mm. obviously I'm talking mostly to mothers and obviously yeah. it's kind of granted and normalized yeah. that a woman would bring the kid home, yeah. uh, to work. Yeah. But seeing you bring a kid, that's actually like, oh yeah, this father yeah. actually can do that. And I think that is a really good role model too. I don't know what you think about that. Yeah, well, to be quite honest, and I've got to salute Norway for what I'm about to say now, is that when you get the proper permission mm. and you get to be with your kid you know sometimes you see guys with their kids because you know you get six months with your kid you mm. know you, 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 you the work has this by law you mm. have to spend that time with your kids so it breeds that kind of thing in a society for you to you know be around your kid and bringing your kid to work like mm. when I was working in a school it was nothing for me to go to the head teacher and be like, you know, um, my daughter has to come to work with me today. The mom's yeah. studying. She's like, yeah, bring her. Diego, bro. <laughs> and I would have her in the gym and yeah. bring her to work. And I was like, is this okay? And my daughter's running around and <laughs> teachers are coming and giving her sandwiches and bringing her pens and papers. I was like, am I in heaven? Because I mean, if I'd done this in the UK, that's like, is this a child abuse? You can bring your kid to work. You know, yeah. like English yeah, is absolutely. a bit more like, you know, they're a bit more... 
I wouldn't say stuck up, but they're a bit more, you know, it's the stronger, like, upper lip, like, no, we don't have no kids in here. Do you know what yeah, I mean? It doesn't no. matter what job you do. It's, uh, it's very more fast-paced. Yeah, absolutely. And I think they don't integrate that family life yeah, they very don't. well. They so don't. it's like there's work in this family and there's separate. Yeah, 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 but, you know, here, it, I really find that very refreshing. And, it is. And especially, like, here in Noi, I never have this feeling that um, if I were to breastfeed in public, you know, I don't yeah, know how much you know about in the UK, but there's these viral videos of women who are breastfeeding in public and get shamed. Yeah. I was like, but I never had that issue here no, at all. Cool. And I feel like, oh, wow, you know, they really integrated this family life. But I don't know whether you have this, because what your eldest daughter is... She's eight. She's eight, okay. Yeah. So maybe she's not like uh, me at the moment, where my daughter's going to fifth grade. Okay. And I do not have something called ox anymore, so... Oh yeah, ox. I like yeah. ox. Ox is cool, man. <laughs> so, for mm. those who don't know what ox is, is basically activity school. So, yeah. um, they have these extra curriculum um, after their mandatory. Mm. Um, hours basically from I think it was nine to about one yeah. uh, they have to be in school mm. but after that you know um, they go to these activities that yeah. you they plan out um, when you go to fifth grade you don't have any of that so school actually ends a lot earlier yeah. and now I'm trying to figure out how to deal with that mm. um, so I, I guess what that leads down to is how do you um, what kind, what do you think about the system here in your opinion in terms of that um because it's quite different from how we we grew up in the uk yeah. because you know we have nine till i think four yeah. you know um it's like the parent can actually work but here yeah. is, is is quite different uh and how they have actually separate like the core you know learning subjects and yeah. class into this activity i don't know if you have any perspective on that well you know in some ways i think if i revert back to england England, the English school system is very, very, you know, it's very, it's to, to, to a course, almost corporate, it's like going to work and a job. So here, I think that, you know, it's, it's very um, flexible. Mm. And I found this a little bit like, oh, but then again, it's what you choose to do with your spare time here. Because mm. as you know, it's a very, I wouldn't say boring society, but you're, you're very by the clock here. Do you mm. know what I mean? Because you, time is not against you, yeah, but it's kind of on top of you. So I think it's, getting back to bringing your kids to work like mm. if you if you if you are a parent that is doing that kind of hard work you can't take unless you're doing something i don't know like cleaning or doing like a fireman mm. you can't yeah. take your kid to work sorry oh okay 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 we're in the public library recording so we're i think uh, we're in an area that's a bit quiet um so we're gonna yeah we're trying we're trying to wrap this up um but um yeah so one of the things is um you were talking about uh, how the schools are different yeah so, so you, 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 yeah. you i found that a bit weird but at the same time like you can do a lot of homeschooling here and also you can take your kids kids with you to work so like oh. you know like my daughter's been around my work a lot so yeah. you know in that time like when she goes to the fifth grade she can come with me to work and also mm. study there and i think a lot of a lot of the stuff here as well is that th there's not really a big social element in that sense so me being I don't like to use the term foreigner, but being non-Norwegian, what I try to do with my daughters is to give them more social skills. Mm. I'm not saying they don't learn that in school, but it's a very kind of shy society. So within the times that 
they probably won't be in school or have those things. There's things that I'm going to teach them on a social mm-hmm. level that I want to teach them about like expression and being able to communicate and stuff like this. Yeah. I'm going to jump to a question now um, mm. because obviously we've been disturbing this area. Yeah. Um, is that, did you find any challenges of uh, bringing up your, um, your daughters um, in an environment that um, perhaps they experienced discrimination in school? Yeah. Um, they, they, they all get it. My daughter Olivia mm. she's the middle child she has a big ginger afro mm. so she had a lot of problems with people coming up and wanting to touch her hair or do you know what I'm saying like yeah. you look different but then with my kid this is a bit weird because they're white skinned with blue mm. eyes so you know I'm, I'm black so it's like sometimes when I went to pick them up from school sometimes they'd be looking like oh is, do you know what I mean like you know yeah. when you go to the act sometimes you have different like monitors one of them one time was looking like, I was like, yeah, she's my daughter. So I, I, I have faced a few things like that. Wow. You know, going back to a story, I was in a um, store center one time, mm. just buying some toys. And you know, little kids, as they do, they're very active. So I was buying a toy for my daughter and she didn't quite grasp that I had to scan, it had to be scanned so I could pay for it. So she just ran out the shop with the toy and the alarm went off. Oh no. So she's running and I'm chasing her going, Isabel, come back, Isabel, come back. So I'm running after her and then she runs into this like security guard and he stops her and he's like, is this your dad? And she said, no. (laughs) (laughs) She said, said, you know, kids sometimes. So I'm like, Isabel, she's like, he's like, is this your dad? She's like, she wouldn't speak. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So he was like, I'm like, yo, this is my daughter, man. And he's looking at me, you know what I mean? I'm like, yo, she's my daughter. I had to ring the mum. Oh, God. And get proof that this is my kid and all yeah. that. Do you know what I mean? Did she do it just for fun or something? Or yeah, what she's just your kids. You can never explain yeah. some of the things they do. And what I tend to find is when I used to walk down the street with people, especially mm. when they were little, and I'd walk past Norwegian women, yeah. they'd look at me, they'd look in the pram, then they'd look at me and they'd be like, do you know what I mean? Because yeah. they're used to seeing like, they use this term malat here, which I don't like also. I like to use the term mixed race. Mm. So when they tend to see a black guy, they tend to see a mixed race baby, a brown baby. Yeah. So when I'm walking, they're smiling at me and they look in the pram and they see a white baby with, with blue eyes and ginger hair. They're looking at me like, what the hell happened there? Do you know yeah. what I mean? It's, it's a bit weird. Do yeah. you know what I mean? It's, and also within my own family, like my dad. Mm. One time I was, my dad's Jamaican. Yeah. He was at Christmas at my house and his mum was there and I was just mucking around saying oh, I'm going to just kidnap them and take them to Jamaica wasn't saying that we was just mucking around no we was just throwing yeah. banter you know English humour so I was like I'm going to take them to Jamaica and run off with them but that was like listen when you get to the airport they'll stop you with these two white kids your own people will stop you when you go through Jamaica when you're trying to come through oh customs God. they will stop you and ask you yo are these your kids Yeah. so it kind of works on both sides do you yeah, know what so I mean in yeah, some ways no I definitely can see that because I, I took my daughter back to um, back to England and I get questions whether she's my daughter and obviously she's not used to speaking English yeah. so she can say anything yeah. so we we're at the the border control and uh, she's she's like looking up this guy and I actually had to bring her birth certificate thank god I brought her birth certificate oh, to gosh. actually show that she's my daughter yeah. I was like oh my god and, and it happens as well in in, in, in Hong Kong as well because she she holds a different passport to me as well and yeah. I have to explain that she's my daughter and everything yeah. but I think in Hong Kong they're much more accustomed with mixed yeah. uh, mixed kids so that was uh, that was okay um, okay uh, Let's go to um, the Black Lives Matter yeah. movement. You know, did you think that kind of helped to contextualize uh, the kind of discrimination that you and your daughters um, have experienced? And does that help empower you in some way to bring that kind of conversation up um, in any situations right now? Well, I actually took my daughters on the 
Black Lives Matter. Mm. I took them down. It was in Oslo. And they, you know, they wanted to draw some pictures and banners. And I, I took them down there. And on the way down there, I was explaining to them what it was about. Now, my daughter, actually, the eldest one, saw the George Floyd video. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. She actually saw it. And um, at first, when it was on, I thought, shall I change it? Because mm. it was quite graphic. I wasn't watching it. It just came on the news. And she was mm. like, she started to cry. She said, Daddy, this is so bad. She goes, um, I don't like white people. And I was like how do I deal with this? That's because, you know, right. my grandma's white. She didn't say it in that sense, like in, 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 in a racist way. She's young. So she yeah. was just like, oh, I'm more afraid of that. She goes, why do you, mm. that, does that happen to black people? Yeah. And explaining to her. So when I explained to her the situation that, you know, there's bad people in, 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 in mm. all races, I think what I'm getting at, the Black Lives Matters movement gave me more time to sit down with my kids and empower them mm. and let them know that they're different because mm. obviously, my daughter is very popular in the school. I mean, when she has her play dates come over, it's really weird. Yeah. Sometimes they're like, oh, your dad's black or oh, your dad's English. But I get more English. They more tend to look at me different because I speak English. Mm. But um, I think it's more like, how can I put it? It was, it's more in the sense of letting them know who they are because they look white. If To the untrained eye mm. or to a person that's a bit ignorant, let's just say, and they look yeah. at my daughter, right? They're going to think that she's white. Mm especially Isabel yeah because she's got the hair like yours everything she yeah. doesn't have the afro so for her I find but then she takes on more of the the, the black side of it like I'm this I'm that I want to go to Africa blah 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 yeah. she's into the Jamaican thing the food and stuff like that so for me with the whole Black Lives Matter thing I think it was more creating a dialogue with my children yeah I think on a global score I think it did open an a lot of eyes for people mm. do you know what i mean it comes down to the media i mean these phones before we had these phones and could film these things right. this thing was going on all the time yeah do you understand so yeah. i thought that the media having these camera phones now people being able to film stuff that's been going on for so long it was good to see people using these things for what they can be used for mm. do you know what i mean yeah and it's it, it the birth of the camera phone but like i said black people have been going through this stuff for hundreds hundreds of years mm. do you know what i mean but now it can be, you know, shown. Like if there wasn't a camera phone and no one filmed what happened to George Floyd, that would have just been another, who knows? Yeah, I mean, I think like like you said, it's, it's, it's all documented so people mm. can actually visually see it yeah. and it, it apply, provides us evidence. I think it's, just, it's sad the fact that we have to use our phones as a way to just kind of make people believe, you yeah, know? Yeah, I think yeah, like yeah. In, in all these things, it's like people don't believe this is happening yeah. um, and it's now coming to the forefront. Definitely. Um, and obviously with the Black Lives Matter movement, it also happened during obviously this COVID pandemic. Yeah. So how did that affect you? How did the pandemic affected you and your family? Well, it was, it was very deep um, in the sense of, because I think in Norway, it wasn't so much like in the UK, like, because I had, I keep that mm. I, I keep in contact with my family in the UK and my mum and my sisters that they've been in the lockdown for two years mm. on and off on and off on and off so I think having the connection to the UK and in the pandemic here which was a bit more relaxed here but it was still here because mm. it affected you whether you had to wear the mask that the anti-backing everything mm. it was different strokes of different folks but we all knew that there was this thing out there because it was like the anti-back everywhere you have to wear the masks some places were a bit more um, strong, mm. uh, stricter than others. Mm. But I think in the sense of watching the news, the media, speaking to your families in other countries, I think that it was something that you couldn't just get away from. Mm. So I think for me, it was more of a mental aspect. But then 
to be quite funny, I think the COVID-19 pandemic, it empowered me. It gave me time to more go into myself. Mm. It gave me a time to slow down. Mm. It gave me a bit more time to appreciate things around me, mm. like my family. I can't speak for everyone because I've spoken to friends that said, oh, they split up with their wife or they lost their job. There were so many different mm. antennas to this. COVID-19 was like a big octopus, I think. It was mm. different for every single person. But for me, being a creative person and for being a person that's very outwardly as well, it gave mm. me a time to go inward. So for me, I had that little bit where it did affect me mentally in the sense of that I think it affected everyone. But I think it's how you, you transcend after that. Do you mm. know what I mean? Some people lost their jobs. Some people, they went through things with their, 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 their relationships. For me, it gave me a chance to go into myself. And especially in Norway, getting back to this society here, mm. it, you tend to be more in your house in Norway. It's, 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 it's a very mm. like calm society, you know? So being in, I just got to just like read. I started to study, do some online courses. Do you know what I mean? And like I said, like um, I got time to come off work. So they have this thing called Darpenga. So I was on Darpenga for a while. So for me, I think it more affected me in the sense of just watching the news a lot. I stopped mm. watching the news. I think when I was watching the news and reading into it, I think it affects you more. So for me, I was just like, okay, there's this thing out here. I have to be precautious for the collective outside, you know, mm. other humans wearing the mask and just respecting what the government mm. was saying. Because if it doesn't matter what you think, you have to respect what the government is saying. Because when we go out there, we're in, we're in the system. We're all in the system. So yeah. I played that bit and respected that side of it. But then I just never really let it get to me in that sense. Because mm. it didn't get to my kids. That was the trick. A lot of people are like, oh, I'm at home with my kids. But my kids weren't wearing the masks. My kids were going to school. My kids were the, my only point of normality. Mm. And they were young. So they wasn't really, do you know what I mean? Ask me, what's this? They just knew about Corona and da 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 da. But it was more when I was around my adult friends or talking to my family that mm. you got hit more mentally. So I just threw myself into my children. Because I don't mm. think kids were really affected by this mm. as much as we think we do. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because they were going to school. They yeah. didn't have to wear the masks. So they were the most normal thing. So I just threw myself into my children more. And yeah. just so you didn't have to feel like you're splitting your time between work and your children. Because some people work remotely. Mm. So for me, I, I had to work on my computer. Yeah. And I was still doing recordings. Yeah, um, yeah. And I had to kind of close the bedroom door whilst I'm yeah, yeah. recording. Yeah. And my daughter's outside and then, you know, she needs me. Yeah. Did, you, did you have that kind of strain at home? I think, yeah, well, their mum did. Because mm. the mum was doing her bachelor's and she was doing the home office as well. Mm. And for me as well. So I think, yeah, it, it did in some sense, but, you know, you had to turn your home into your office. Do you know what I mean? It, her mm. home became everything. Do you know what I mean? So for me, it was more like being at home, doing the home office all the time and then f being so close to the kitchen and thinking, oh, I'm going to make lunch now. Where if he was at work, mm. you want to go out to go and get lunch. But being at home, just being around the kitchen all the time, you just think, oh, I don't want to eat. Or not not like that, but right. it was just trying to build that within the home. Mm. The home became like the new place to do things. You know what I mean? You're like, well, I'm in my house, man. This is my house. Like My light switch. I didn't know I had that light switch. It looks nice. You know, you start to look mm. at your house differently. So for me, it didn't really affect me in that sense. Like I said, I don't want to sound corny, but I just threw myself more into the family aspect. And the yeah. family aspect is built in the home. So I just bring my work there. 
and just try to flow like that. Yeah, mm. I think you're quite a positive and mm. also a very resilient kind of person mm. um, after talking to you. So I think like that element c- plays in, and even the most against adversity and also challenges mm. and also obstacles, you you're kind of always putting your mind in the right mindset. You know, mm. kind of moving with the flow, but also being positive in that, mm. which I can definitely see. With the parents um, who are moving over or recently has re- um, moved over, what kind of tips and advice would you give them? To Norway? Mm. I'd say, wow, this is a good one. I'd say, look around you because if you really mm. don't speak much Norwegian when you first come here, these people are very easy to read if you watch the way they move because they're very, like I said, they're very, how can I put it? They're very by the clock here. There's an un there's an unspoken language Mm. so i think that if you just sit in a coffee shop and just watch how norwegians move if you watch them on the tram Mm. how they move if you watch them how they interact i mean and i'm not being bad and i hope i don't lose none of my norwegian (laughs) fans or friends here but if you see norwegians from monday Mm. to thursday and you used to sit here and observe them you'd be like wow this place you know what i mean It's, it's they don't cross the road if the light's not red. Do you know what I'm saying? They're very, you know, you can't just jump on a train and start. You know, in London, you can just say, oh, can I borrow your metro? In no, nowhere, you can't just jump on a train and start interacting with someone. I wouldn't say talk because you can talk to someone because mm. we communicate as we're human beings. Right. But it's, the interaction is different. But on a Friday night, after they do go out, it's different. Do you yeah. know what I mean? They just change. Especially when they have alcohol, yeah, right? Yeah, I so. call them gremlins. Have you ever seen gremlins? <laughs> They're like, you know, you got gizmo. Yeah. And then you feed them after 12 and then they just turn into these mad things. Yeah. That's them. But yeah. I'm not putting them down. They're very nice people and good people. Yeah. And it's hard to make friends here. But when you do make friends here, you've got a friend for life. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I'm, my, my, my circle of Norwegian friends, I can count them on one hand. Mm. But they're, they're my most trusted friends and they're very resourceful. And once you, like I said, even if you can get one or two, that's the equivalent to having like 100 in the UK. Do you right. know what I mean? In some aspects, depends how you want yeah. to look at it. Well, I must admit, like, moving over here, I made much more deeper connections mm. with, with people. Um, and I would say, like, I've I kind of lost a lot of my connection in the UK, mm. uh, a lot of my network there. Me too. So um, here, I, I find, like, whether well, it's Norwegian, um, I mean, some Norwegians are really good people, actually, and I think mm. they're trying to learn, especially with the work that I'm doing as well. Yeah. Uh, I kind of put them on, on the seat, basically, in the yeah, hot seat, you know. Yeah. Um, and I, they are truly trying to understand. And like you said they're, they're, they're friends for life um, you can rely on them um, but equally as internationals as well I think mm. like I, I made a lot of friends and obviously as Brits both of us you yeah. know we already connected when the first time we met so yeah. um, so you kind of stick your Definitely. you know to, to that kind of kind of community so yeah I, I think it's really, I mean even like I find it strange because while we're talking I, I can't help but think like the guy that told us um, that this is a quiet area I wonder if if we were white Norwegians would, would he actually tell us off actually <laughs> sometimes I keep thinking about that so um, that was a little bit uh, detour but that was a little bit no, was on topic of you know being quite different here um, but the thing is what so, I find is mm. sorry to stop you there is that if we was white Norwegians we wouldn't be doing this in the library that's the wickedest thing so I think that being an international mm. what I find is it's not that we're breaking the rules it's just they would love to be able to do this that's mm. why they like us because sometimes we do things and they're like wow I wish I could do that yeah not we're, we're kind of stepping over the line right no not stepping over the line you know what I'm saying sometimes they wish like I wish I could do that mm. but when they try to if, if if they was ever try to do something like this they wouldn't try to do this on a Friday night after drinking some beers because it would go horribly wrong mm. but sometimes I feel like in some ways um, maybe sometimes when they drink some of the stuff that's 
in them yeah. comes out and it just goes a bit berserky. So that guy coming up here, he's probably mm. never seen this or there are Norwegians that walk past and think, oh, I'd love to be able to do that. But they wouldn't. Because yeah. there's a certain invisible line that they don't cross. Yeah. And I think that Norwegians tend to be different out of Norway. If yeah. you meet a Norway in the UK or in Spain or in America, they're totally different to when they come back here. And if you meet a real honest Norwegian, <laughs> they will tell you that as well. Yeah, that is really, really funny because mm. I hear this a lot, um, particularly those who have married um, Norwegian mm. uh, men or women, and they, they really see the big difference as soon as they came back here. Yeah. And then they often say, I didn't marry that person. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's the same when I was so, with the woman here and I came here, yeah. totally different person. Yeah. Do you know so, what I mean? And I think it's, I think it's that pressure socially mm. and uh, we're constantly having to navigate that and yeah, yeah. is i think us international we're here kind of pushing a little bit of that boundary a little bit to, to kind of get out there kind of proceed, you know so it's, it's it's good i think because um in some ways they they love you for it but in some ways i think they, they it's not envy it's more of like wow you can get away with that yeah mm. but i can't but then there's certain elements of where it can be uncomfortable for them but comfortable for us but then in sometimes this guy coming up to us now he made us feel a little bit uncomfortable uncom but i know that he's not going to come back till we're finished <laughs> so as long as you stay within that parameter yeah you know what i mean and that's yeah. one thing i find with norway as well is this very unique country very very unique and it, it, it's, it's it's a place where you will get for any parent coming there it's good for you because it's, it's, a, it's a children's country mm. the, the children's it's, it's the safest place for kids you know what I mean? The, 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 like you said, the school system, you know, when you get um, the proper permission or you get time off work and, you know, like they push that family dynamic on you. Mm. But at the same time, it's just a little bit with the, the social interaction. You get, to, I didn't know my conscience or my inner, inner mm. voice until I came to Norway. Because, mm. you know, in London, I don't know if you find it's very busy yeah. and it's a lot of noise. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So you tend not to get to know your inner self. So I think a lot of Norwegians, when they come here, it's almost like being a, a, a monk. Yeah. They're in there. They, they, they're in there. They have this thing called inner stem, eh? Yes, like the inner voice. That's yeah. their thing here. And then when they go out, the other bit comes out. <laughs> I think it's really funny because like, I've never liked Linden because it's so busy, but yeah. I'm from uh, the town in Bristol. So yeah. it's, it's like the thing's a little bit like yeah. quieter. Um, but definitely you, you, you think about that. Um, and that made me really think. Have you ever had trouble in terms of parenting, or rather, did you see like your daughters being torn between the social norms? Should they be like compliant, or you know, um, be with the crowd of you know the Norwegian friends, or can they just be that international self of them? Had any of you ever experienced that? Okay, that's so weird. You should ask me this question because this just two days ago mm. we was on the bus coming down from um, Lillestrøm back to Oslo. Now. My two daughters, when they're together, they are they tag team me. Do you know <laughs> what I'm saying? So we're on the bus, yeah. okay? And you know, on the bus, I I, I don't use my phone on the bus anymore. And mm. if I call any of my Norwegian friends, even their mum, oh, I'm on the bus, I'm on the tram, I'll call you when I get off. No one mm. really talks on the bus here. Have you ever heard of someone? Yeah. So we're on the bus and they are going crazy. They're jumping around, they're making noise, they're on the phone, they're loud. Mm. And then I've tend to find myself like being so Norwegian about stop, stop being you're making so much noise, you're you're embarrassing me. Stop, yeah. stop, stop. I said, Why are you so loud? My daughter, she came, sat next to me, she said, Listen, this is my personality. You can't change me. So I was like I laughed a little bit, but I was like, Wow, that is they're me. Yeah. So <laughs> see so yeah, she came to me, she said to me, This is my personality mm. and I was like, Wow And she reminded me, she said, Daddy, I'm not Norwegian. Yeah. 
you know so sometimes you get kind of lost here because sometimes i tend to find myself knocking my head against the system but then sometimes i find conforming without even knowing i'm conforming to it do mm-hmm. you know what i mean because if you're using the bus in london i probably wouldn't even be able to hear my kids it'd be the norm yeah. you know what i'm saying so it's just the two different parameters but when she said that to me it was kind of like a really good jab she was like it's my personality i'm not i said why can't you act like normal kids normal norwegian kids she said <laughs> It's my personality. It's who I am. Oh wow! So she and she's eight. Yeah, she has. So, she's already developed yeah. quite a strong personality yeah. of who she is, and I think Very. that I think that owns up to to you as a parent as well mm. to have that. And I think I've seen this kind of struggle um, with a lot of parents, even for me as well. Like um, navigating, you know, how to get yeah. my daughter to that point that she's comfortable with who she yeah. is. That she still have a bit of Norwegian streak on her, and Definitely. she also have like, like the British. School, and, you know, change. So, right. You know, sometimes I take her to school, and then she will that Norwegian stuff will come out when yeah. she's in that environment because yeah. it's, 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 it's like energy isn't it when yeah. she's in that zone she'll be mm. that zone but what I like about it is that it's not fake Yeah, it's not fake and it's not fickle it's, she's conforming and she can understand that at 8 years old mm. so in some ways it's, it's a win-win and in some ways it's like I try to tell her okay then when we go to the UK yeah mm. i only see you keep that same energy do you know yeah. what i mean and, and she will because she's very shy like sometimes when we go i give her the bank card and i try to teach her to use the bank card and how to mm. use it because it's a cashless society yeah. yeah so i'm trying to teach them little things of being responsible so if she wants to go to buy an ice cream sometimes i'll stand back give her a card and watch her use it and she's very shy and doesn't want to speak mm. and that's the norwegian element coming out here because they learn it they yeah. you, you pick it up they pick it up from nursery yeah do you know what i mean but it's always nice to see that english thing and i found that what i have to do is now give a tip to an english person here or any foreigner or not i don't need to use that <laughs> word foreigner but someone coming to norway yeah never your kid is a mirror so sometimes you know don't be shocked if you find that you are conforming but your kid will be able to adapt so always lock into your child because your child will be the one that will keep you grounded do you know what i mean because your child is going to be able to play against the different dynamics mm. but sometimes we can get lost mm. do you know what i mean we can get lost in it like oh this place or oh it's too much or oh, am i changing do you know what i mean so right. i think for me with my kids going to the school going to the barnhagen they're actually like my little how can i put it scouts because they're going out into the i haven't been to school in norway have i, I haven't been mm. to barnhagen here they know the system better than me mm. so i'm gonna and they're not gonna be kids forever also do you know what i mean so i learn a lot from them from taking them to school and yes there are some elements you know where i think the school could be different i don't think they really handle bullying good here as well you know this thing called mobbing they don't really like conflict here so if there is a conflict sometimes i think that if i go in there to english or my west indian background i might cause controversy for instance i went to pick my daughter up one day Mm. and she was looking sad and her face was red i said what happened and she said some boy just slapped me in my face and i was going to get my jacket so we're standing at the school gate and this is covid so you can't really go into the school Mm. but then i revert my english i wanted to kick in she's only eight i wasn't going to go in there and Mm. shower at eight-year-old kid but i was my daughter do you know what i mean and she was crying so i called the milia alibi there and i said excuse me and I took out my phone because I used to work in this job so mm. I started to write and yeah. said to him listen my daughter's been hit um, who's the contact mm. teacher and I'm starting to write on my phone and I say mm. I'm documenting this and I'm mm. going to um, 
pass it on to their mum. Yeah. And um, she's going to pick them up tomorrow. And he's like, oh, what happened? And he's talked to her. And she said, the boy slapped me. So she, he took her up to the boy. Mm. And the boy apologized. And then he came back and he said, this won't really happen again. I'm really sorry. And I said, thanks. I said, I'm just keeping this on my own record. I'll pass it on to the contact teacher. like, yeah, yeah, that's really good. And then the next day when I went to pick her up, he was like, oh, you know, um, at the break time, I have her around me. I've dealt with the situation. And I said mm. to him, that's cool. I said, when I was writing, I was just keeping it for my own dialogue because mm. I've worked in your job before and I know how the system works, yeah. if there's going to be an open case. And he really respected me for that. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So I think here yeah, you've got to be a bit more <clears throat> micro, well, not microaggression, but you, 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 you've got to be a bit more because how can I put it? I'm very protective. Yeah. So I find that if I was to have gone in there English, yeah. oh, my daughters, you know what I mean? If I was to see someone slap my daughter, it doesn't matter what age they was, I would probably, hey, don't do that. Yeah. But here you can't really do that. It's deemed as yeah, being here, aggressive. It is here. I mean? and I, th I think so you have especially to be very careful how right, you maneuver. Especially that you're a black man as yeah, well. Definitely. Um, people will see that as like, aggression as uh, violence even my silence as, is a, right. it can be intimidating right exactly you know so, I mean? so it's, it's harder for you I yeah, guess definitely. and you have to like do these kind of soft ways you definitely. know um, to saying I'm going to send an email you know I'm going to yeah. send a message and then that yeah. kind of makes the point you know signaling like I'm taking this serious and I'm going to do something yeah, about yeah, it definitely. You know, take so. it take it structure because they're very documented society as well yeah. so as long as you document it that's the best thing Cause, yeah. but I've heard of some situations of a friend I met her in town and um, her daughter yeah. was being bullied yeah. and she, she's she's Kenyan woman so she went to the bar hog and then spoke about it yeah. they told her that she's being aggressive she was recording the conversation and they found out she was calling the conversation yeah. on doing that they said you better delete that now <gasps> it's against the law which it wasn't no it's not they packed no. her daughter's thing and kicked her daughter out of the barn hogan oh it was God. a private barn hogan in the student and they and the boy is getting closed down now yeah. and they was told her you're being aggressive you're this you're that do you know what I mean and the daughter didn't want to go to Barhagen she said to mama nah yes guy could go she didn't want to go mm. so here I think that a lot of kids and especially for Norwegians yeah. I'm not just going to call this on the internationals there's a lot of Norwegians sitting in their bedrooms now mm. right ethnic Norwegians yeah. that get bullied yes. right and it doesn't get dealt with because yeah. I think it's a lineage thing do you know yeah. what I mean? And when I say dealt with, I mean in the UK, how we deal with conflict is a bit more open. Do right. you know what I mean? It's yes. not to say that English people are all hooligans because I get a lot of that. Oh, you can't win. Yeah. You're, you're a black Jamaican. But then yeah. if you're an Englishman, oh, you football hooligan, you drink beer, go home yeah. and beat your wife up. It's a joke they have, but many a truth is said in jest. Yeah. But the thing is, the UK model, we tend to more deal with um, things open. Yeah. We'll create a dialogue. And that dialogue can happen even after a confrontation. Yeah. But we open a dialogue here. The mm. dialogue is not necessarily open, so it's more of a mental aspect. So I think that uh, that is why you get a lot of the social norm and have this thing called Yentelovin, where they teach that, that we're all the same. Mm. Don't stand in line. Even me buying these trainers here today when I bought them, I thought, this is not really Norwegian, I'm standing out. Yeah, this just is wearing his so white if you can't see this, but uh, his trainers are in pink, orange, yeah. and and uh, yellow. Yeah. So, uh, so this is, you so, know what I mean? Yeah. You, you, you tend not to understand out yeah. here. So I think what I try to bring to the table in a society, and especially as working in the youth and being a life coach, is that mm -hmm. I tend to say that you can open a dialogue when it comes to confrontation because 90% of, of confrontation or kind of like, let's say, making someone feel uncomfortable is through body language. Mm. A lot of it is before your mouth even opens. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But if a lot of this goes on and you don't open your mouth or deal with it, 
then there's a lot of a mental trauma that can go on there. Yeah. Cause a lot of the bullying here, sorry, sorry, is done through the mouth. Right. But then when you do go to do the dialogue, you have to open your mouth. Mm. But no one wants to do that bit. Yeah. So there's a lot of grey areas here. Yeah. So how would you go about doing it? So let's end with an advice from you because you work mm. with the youth and you mm. know how the system runs here. Mm. If a parent is caught in that situation, what advice would you give them? To be honest, I would say I would document it. I'd put it in writing. I'd go to the first I'd go to the, the milieu alibi there in the school I'd speak to the contact teacher and I'd speak to the other would give it's like a counsellor mm. yeah I'd speak to those three entities try and work with them and then I would go to the head teacher last because mm. in England you just go straight to the head teacher right, right. you go straight to the top I want to speak to the head teacher who's the head mistress mm. who's the head master but in Norway I'd start from the bottom and work my way to the top that's how it goes mm. and if you could, that's how you have to kind of structure it here. Everything's mm. in a structure. Yeah. So, you know, if you go to the contact teacher, you could, because that's where the teacher is. Because there's different elements here where, you know, when I work in the school system, sometimes the teacher doesn't know what's going on, or the rod giver doesn't know what's going on, or the milliardaire doesn't have a good contact with the teacher. So, hey, it's a bit messy. But that's what I suggest to do document it, document, write it down. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Put it in writing, give it in writing, and then explain it. That's mm. the best way to do over here, I think, you know, because they're very, um, they're very researching people. They're very mm. into like reading and stuff like that. So I'd put it in paper, give it to them and then try to open the dialogue through that. Mm. Great. Thank you so much uh, for this uh, conversation. I think we all learned a lot uh, yeah. as well from you. Um, so we're going to end this <laughs> interview. Um, hopefully one day we'll, we'll have another talk again to catch up. I'd love to. Um, thank you so much, Lucas. No problem. Thanks.